0: Good afternoon. This is Alicia Bales. Tree sitters have taken to the redwoods here in Mendocino County. For the next hour, we'll hear the voices of forest defenders who are occupying the treetops in Casper to try to stop Cal Fire from cutting down some of the largest second growth redwoods still standing on our coast. Stay tuned for a special public affairs show on the tree sits in Jackson Demonstration State Forest. Coming up next. I walked out in the forest When the silver moon was on the rise And Venus shimmered In the fading light And I sat down very quietly Tiny shadow underneath the, tree. the ancient redwoods once towered over the north coast of California, from Big Sur to the Oregon border. Industrial logging has decimated over 96% of the huge old trees, leaving tiny pockets of what's called old growth in state parks like Montgomery Woods and Hendy Woods here in Mendocino County. Much of the logging in the redwoods has been on privately owned timberland, Multinational corporations like Georgia Pacific and Louisiana Pacific owned vast tracts of Mendocino County and logged them over and over again for profit. In the 1990s, these companies famously began liquidating their holdings, drastically increasing the cut to take everything of value out of the woods before they sold out to a newer generation of timber companies, Mendocino Redwood Company and Lime Timber. At that time, environmentalists organized a widespread protest movement against the devastation in the woods, blockading bulldozers and sitting in trees in nonviolent mass actions like Redwood Summer and the Albion Nation uprising. That was the first time local people started sitting in trees to protect them from logging. Here in Mendocino County, the state of California is also in the redwood logging business. If you've ever driven Highway 20 between Fort Bragg and Willits, you may have seen the signs for Jackson Demonstration State Forest. JDSF is almost 49,000 acres of publicly owned mostly redwood forest that the state has logged repeatedly since 1949. It's a huge swath of the heart of Mendocino County, so big that it's the backyard for many inland and coastal communities like Compchee, Fort Bragg, and Willits. Local people know and love these woods and spend a lot of time hiking, biking, camping, and foraging in them. The state agency that manages Jackson State Forest is CAL FIRE, previously known as the California Department of Forestry. This year, they filed six timber harvest plans to cut in hundreds of acres in mature second-growth redwoods just east of Casper and the Mendocino Village, in areas that are very popular for recreational use a group called the Mendocino Trail Stewards, started organizing among local mountain bikers and hikers, calling for CAL FIRE to create a 20,000-acre redwood forest reserve with a mandate for outdoor recreation, carbon sequestration, ecosystem restoration, and climate change mitigation science. They point out that these days the money brought in by tourism is many times greater than the one-time payout CAL FIRE will make destroying the place. Despite the community's efforts to stop the cut, last week Cal Fire announced the closure of areas in the Mitchell Creek and Casper 500 plans. They said they plan to begin logging as early as last Monday. Almost immediately, forest activists climbed two of the largest of the trees slated for cut and set up tree sits to occupy the forest and keep the trees standing. They plan to stay there as long as it takes. Yesterday, I went out to Casper to meet the tree sitters and their support crew on the ground. As I arrived at the trailhead, I was stunned. The forest is majestic here. The ground is blanketed with ferns and sorrel, and the trillium flowers were blooming in the soft loam on the forest floor. The redwood trees here are large, and the air between them feels alive. It's also really easy to get to. There were literally dozens of hikers, dog walkers, and mountain bikers using the trail right near the tree sits. The two young activists living in the trees call themselves Bugs and Greasy Pete. They're sitting in two of the largest trees in the 500-acre timber harvest zone, which are both 8 to 10 feet in diameter. Each of the tree-sitters descended their ropes just far enough for me to reach up with my microphone and talk to them about what it's like living day and night in the forest canopy and why they hope Cal Fire will stop the cut. Greasy Pete is 18 years old. He grew up in elk and went to elementary school just down the road from here in Casper. He's known these trees since he was little. The first thing I was going to ask you to do is to describe your home up there for me. Can you can you do that?
1: Yeah, sure.
2: Yeah, so my spot is up there. It's about 55 to 65 feet high. And um, right now you can probably see it, but there's a lot of stuff hanging off because it's only about the size of a California king-size bed altogether. So a lot of my stuff I have to hang either on the tree or hanging below my platform. And then on the outside, there's some planks that I keep my food buckets in. I have about four food buckets, um, one utility bucket and then a milk crate that I keep kind of my miscellaneous items. You know, my walkie talkie, my phone, my charger, toilet paper, all the things I'll frequently need. And then my food buckets has all my food and everything. almost everything except like little tiny items is secured with carabiners so usually like for my phone example i have taped down with some p cord and then tied to one of the safety ropes there's about eight safety ropes that are all connected on the outside edges Um, and then they all converge at the top about 10 feet away from the platform to an anchor um, at the top of the tree and yeah think, oh yeah, and then I have my backpack um, and my water jugs at the end. It's actually pretty nice because having all the weight on the outside, it makes it a lot more secure. So even when I walk back and forth, oh, I can't really walk back and forth, but when I walk a few steps back and forth, um, it, all the weight kind of stays in the right position.
0: Okay, so you can walk around up there?
2: No, I wouldn't really call it walking around. I can, I'd say about three small steps in one direction. Because altogether, it's the size of a California king, but then... My actual moving around space that I have to constantly be fighting the organization demon of um, to like keep all my stuff um, away. But that my actual space that I usually have cleaned enough to move around in is about like three by uh, probably like three by six. So
0: do you stay locked in to your uh, your harness the whole time and your safeties?
2: Yeah. Yeah sometimes I loosen it but it's not like I don't I never actually like never actually gets off my legs um but yeah even when I'm sleeping which is a little bit challenging but um
0: how is sleeping up there how do you how do you do it and has it been
2: it's, it's funny because I have some sleep issues like a lot of people um and I'm constantly trying to fall asleep earlier but I've actually been sleeping way better than I normally do at home Maybe it's partially because the, it gets dark early, so my circadian rhythm is adjusting uh-huh. to the way it naturally should be. Uh-huh. Um,
0: and you're not... I assume you're not on devices or anything like well, that? Well,
2: I have my phone that I play like a game, but it's not like I'm streaming. I can't stream anything, uh-huh. which is the main thing that keeps me a lot... Like, no Instagram, social media. So it's just streaming and listening to audiobook. Or not... I can't stream, but I can listen to audiobooks that I've pre-downloaded. Um, and...
0: And depending on the book, that could get you through weeks.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, okay, so let me ask a little bit about you, if that's okay. Okay, sure. um, How old are you, and where did you grow up? Eight,
2: I'm 18, and I grew up in Elk, California, about 40 minutes from here.
0: Okay, how did you hear about the tree sit here?
2: Um, I'm, I'm kind of in the loop of, I don't know what to call it, forest-related action. Um, it's not necessarily a group. It's just people who know each other who are interested in this kind of thing. And yeah, I just kind of found out about through that, and then I didn't even really prepare that much. It kind of just, you know, life opens the door, and then I went into the door.
0: (laughs) Did you have to train to learn how to climb up there?
2: Yeah. Actually, two years ago, I took a, um, I did sort of like a tree-sitting camp, and yeah, and I learned some, learned the ropes, pun intended, Um, and Yeah, so I kind of knew a little bit, and I've done some rock climbing stuff, so I knew, like, the basics, but then I also have taken, like, a non-violent action um, class, which is good not just for tree-sitting, but any kind of protesting or stuff like that.
0: Okay, tell me about this place and what it means to you and why you're out here.
2: Yeah, so um, uh, I know this Not just me, but this forest is very important to many people. And I went to school here um, at the... It's It closed recently, actually, but the Casper Community School. uh, It's like an elementary school. And it's actually connected to the Jackson State Forest. Um, It's I don't know if you know where the waterfall is. But anyway, it's part of Jackson State Forest. So I kind of grew up here, even though I live in Elk. I spent a lot of times in these woods, and I, you know, I heavily believe that old-growth trees should not be cut down just from a spiritual perspective, from an environmental perspective, from just a common sense perspective, um, and this is basically an old-growth tree. Um, some may consider it a second-growth, but I mean, if it's 200 years old, like, I would, me and a lot of people would consider that, field growth
0: what can you see from your from your tree sit perch
2: um not much i mean i there's sort of a clearing i get like a little bit of sun each day birds um squirrels sometimes um a lot it's it's actually the more interesting part i've been finding is the auditory field like i can hear a lot more than down here maybe that's just because the brush is so dense so a lot of the sound gets absorbed, but I can hear to the ocean at night, um which probably you can hear from the ground, but a lot more clearly up here. I can hear the highway and, yeah, and a lot of birds, even in, in the middle of the night sometimes, there'll be a random bird call, I'm finding that interesting. Oh, owls, I haven't seen any, but I can tell that there was one that was very close because it was like very loud hooting that sounded like within this acre, yeah, so most a lot of hearing things but also seeing just exploring the senses of life living like a tree Mm
0: -hmm. right and you've you've named this tree mama tree
2: i didn't name it actually that it was uh previously named a mama tree
0: so this is mama tree um what this is sounds like a really woo-woo question sure but what is your relationship like with this tree because you're living next against it right you're living with it you're kind of uh, in a whole different perspective that's much more tree-like because you're up high, you're uh-huh. in the branches of, of mama tree. Right. What Do you th- do? You talk to the tree? Do you think about the tree? What's it like?
2: You know, if I'm sort of feeling in a kind of woo-woo spiritual mood, which is not... Sometimes it, my perspective kind of shifts. Sometimes I'm like, this is just a tree doing its, its thing, and it doesn't really care about me, or doesn't even care if it gets cut down. Um and it's just something that is from a purely scientific shouldn't be cut down because it helps with carbon sequestration. But then there's the other side of me that's like, this tree is holding me and like, uh, you know, I could go on and on, but like this tree is holding me and I see what it sees and it wants me to be here, even though I might be sloughing off some of its bark and occasionally breaking some of its dead branches. Um, I imagine that kind of just feels like it's getting, like, it's back scratched, um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, it's, like, like a mama, (laughs) but, yeah, so it's kind of, like, the two spiritual and scientific sides of me are, kind of, have different opinions about it, if that makes any sense.
0: Absolutely makes sense, um, and it's also very tactile, right, like, living next to a redwood tree the bark really does slough off a lot so you've got time.
2: in my food <laughs> uh, in my clothes my i constantly have to be shaking everything out it's like basically rains um bark it rains bark all the time <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's one thing that uh, that is really kind of unique to this experience i think or to this action that you're taking is this sort of you're up in the tree without any of this sort of people, technology. I mean, you said you have your, your audio books, but really you get much more plugged into the rhythms of the sun and or the day and the night. And cold and
2: the wind, that's been another exciting thing. I forgot to mention, um, it's the wind is really interesting because it's like, even though I'm so high up, the tree, since it's so solid, absorbs a lot of the wind. So I'll just, so I'll hear the wind, like maybe like an, a quarter mile away. And then I can slowly feel it coming towards me. And then after I hear the wind from far away, then the tree moves. So it's almost like thunder or something. Like,
0: Wild. So you can feel the tree swaying and sort yeah. of absorbing the yeah. wind.
2: Yeah, it makes going to the bathroom a little tricky. but.
0: <laughs> when I sat in a tree, that was what everybody wanted to know. So could you just, like, in, one sentence or less, yeah. how, just uh. put dispel that so people don't ask?
2: Yeah, so you, you can probably see it up there. But there, I have a bucket hanging off. Yeah. Um, and it has i use it's basically like a composting toilet so i use sawdust and that absorbs the smell and also makes it so you can dump it somewhere and it'll decompose um rather than just raw waste um and yeah and then i close it and it's it's basically just pooping in a bucket with sawdust it's not that special but it's a little bit tricky because i have to i have to hoist it up i have to take it off i have to get the toilet paper i have to make sure i'm not going to fall over i have to do all the things and then also and then I pee in a like one of those gallon water jugs um Convenient. which is nice that I'm a boy <laughs> um in <laughs> that's perspective but um so yeah
0: okay so and has any of the timber company uh or the or Cal Fire I guess they call them the Department of Forestry folks have any of them come out to talk to you yet
2: no so far the only Cal Fire person we've seen was just someone who was hiking these trails, doing weight training, um, and he mentioned that he was from Cal Fire, but he was actually a firefighter, um, you know, practicing, uh, like carrying a heavy load, so, but he wasn't involved in any of the logging, as far as we know, um, but...
0: But he uses the trail.
2: Yeah, 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 but he uses the trail for exercising. Um, Do you see a
0: lot a lot of people using the trail while you're oh, up Oh yeah,
2: there? tons, I see, you know, it was pretty amusing, um, at the beginning, because like, especially during the first few days and during the weekend, um, like because I I initially got here last Thursday, so almost been a week, and someone mentioned to me, you know, people will probably pass by pass you by, but they won't look up, especially before there was the banner here. Um, people just people would ride their bikes by and they wouldn't look up, or even some people would walk by and they just wouldn't look up. Right? Even people, sometimes I, don't I try look to up. Yeah, people don't look up, which I thought was interesting. Maybe, now that I think about it, I probably don't look up that much when I'm in the forest, but I just thought that was funny because I was like, I can see you, but you have no idea that I exist, you know what I mean? I felt kind of like what it was like to be an animal. <laughs> and then once I'd get spotted, sometimes I'd like hide or... Because <laughs> we were trying to be sort of sneaky at the beginning, but not really. Now everyone knows about it, so...
0: This is Alicia Bales, and you're listening to a special program about the tree sits in Casper on the Jackson Demonstration State Forest. I'm talking with Greasy Pete, one of the two young forest defenders who's taken to the treetops to protect the redwoods from logging by CAL FIRE. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about nonviolence and direct action and why, you, why you're why you sitting in this tree. I mean, I get it that you don't want the tree to be cut down. and. Yeah the, you know, the forest and forest health and fire and climate and all of that. But what about putting your body up there? What about direct action and nonviolence?
2: Um, I just think, I think especially like in these days of like social media and a lot of, um, um, there's a word for it when you make a, make a a post on social media, that's like for acti- activism, but you don't actually care about the issue. Um,
0: a virtue signaling?
2: Virtue signaling. There's a lot of like social media virtually s- signaling mm-hmm. that I've been kind of noticing. And I was like, why aren't there more people who are like actually doing something? And I think that's one of the great things about like the Black Lives Matter protests. People are actually getting out there. Some people are obviously just you know complaining about it and saying, oh, it's so horrible, but, and not doing anything. But there's a lot of people who are actually doing stuff, which is really great. And the same thing with the environmental movement. Um, there's a lot of people who just complain about it and but there's some people who are and I'm I'm not trying to say like I'm I'm so much better than these people because I'm actually doing something. I'm just saying like I personally felt like I wanted to do something more than cuz I've kind of been having a little bit of like a I can I'm really starting to see the climate changing in my own local area and I think people all around the world california and mendocino county i've been noticing especially like you know even in my short lifetime i've doesn't snow in elk anymore or, or not really um when it when i was a kid it used to um changes like that so it's just and that kind of made me more and more like sad and just i was kind of obsessed obsessively like learn about climate change um like a lot of people do and I was just like you know I'm just gonna do something and also I mean I can pretend I I can sort of magnify that oh I did this because I wanted to do a great thing but at the same time I kind of just seized the opportunity to live in a tree (laughs) like it's I can try to say it's some fancy reason like oh I felt called to the tree because it's so magical but really I just kind of wanted to hang out in a tree and maybe maybe help it from not getting cut like
0: okay um how can people help you
2: um make positive social media posts uh like you know tag governor newsom um gavin newsom uh and his wife too actually um which people a lot of people already have been donate to not just this but anything like as much as i can like and I think I said this during a different interview, but like in stories like this, it's might um, be more interesting for the reader or the consumer of whatever type of media it is to make the story about the tree sitters or or the activists. But it's bigger than that. It's not just like me in the tree. It's like we're in like an emergency in the climate. And like. Even though it's it's interesting to have it be about the person who's tree sitting. Like, I think it's more important to have the focus on, um, on the trees and what we can do, but I think you've done a a good job with that. Uh, (laughs) just a lot of other interviews were, like, asking very, like, personal, specific questions to me, and I'm like, isn't this about the trees? Like, (laughs) um, um, and sorry if I'm a little jittery, I had too much instant coffee, um, then, do you
0: have something to heat up I,
2: I have a stove i have a little jet boil stove it's super nice it's like um has a like a locking system so that if you like if there's wind or something like it wouldn't just knock over like it's connected to the bottom it's really nice um yeah and i can make instant coffee made some oatmeal i'm actually like sort of getting better at like cooking while i'm up there because i <laughs> um Right, but on on the back to the main topic. How well, do you, well, do you have
0: any help? specialties that you've been cooking? Um,
2: I I, funny story. I actually like a while ago. I made I was dehydrated a bunch of my own jerky. I made a bunch of really yummy beef jerky, but like way too much. And then I was like, but I knew I was gonna need it for something. I just had this feeling like I'm gonna go on some trip where I'm not gonna have that much time to prepare, and I'm gonna want some yummy jerky and dehydrated foods. And then it ended up happening. So I. So you what I have
0: like a ten pound bag of jerky. I, I, yeah,
2: yeah, I've way too much jerky. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've been making ramen with beef jerky and hard and hard boiled eggs that are actually starting to go bad. But um yeah.
0: Cool. Okay, what else do you want people to know? What do you want? What do you want people to hear from the top of the tree?
2: Um. Oh, I have a good one. Even though it's. Um, so right now it's happening with a lot with, sorry, lumber prices are going up. And that part, what I've heard is that one of the main reasons is people are bored during quarantine and, you know, they want to build a nice deck, you know, maybe they will put in some extra money and, you know, they want some high quality redwood decks. And then, and it's easy to just be like, oh, it's redwood. It already exists. But like, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that's fueling this like redwood greed redwood fever that might be a different thing but you know people just see this and they see money and so if you're gonna buy lumber maybe just don't buy redwood (laughs) even if you want to make a a nice deck that's gonna last long there's (coughs) excuse me (coughs) it's very dusty um yeah just maybe buy a different type of wood but because redwoods are essential uh to california forests and they're limited them they're they're only in a certain spot like you know if if there continues to be more and more drought the trees not only will be continued to be logged um but they'll continue to slow down growing um from continuous drought that will probably get exponentially worse based on most um California studies about continuous drought um Maybe there'll be some years where they'll get better, but it's probably just going to get worse and there's going to be less and less redwoods. So it's just kind of terrifying to imagine a California without redwoods.
0: Well, what would you say to anyone else who's considering getting involved in the protests out here who maybe is thinking, wow, maybe I want to try tree sitting or maybe I want to come out to one of the blockades or a rally or anything like that?
2: I'd say say do it. Um, uh, I think some people might Feel like a little nervous because they you know some people have authority anxiety they don't want to they don't have to you know get arrested like what, but like i think even even if you just show up like there's power in numbers and there's power in number digital numbers like signing petitions and stuff like that so even if you don't want to be physically involved there's many things you can do um and not just in this specific thing, but like you know, there's so many logging there's so many environmental things that you can get involved with. And the more people who the more citizens who are engaging in that kind of activity and protesting, you know, doing anything, the more stress it pushes it it puts on politicians, like um um yeah, like the more people are in power are going to realize wow maybe we actually do have to listen to what the scientists what everyone else other than rich people and politicians think maybe we should actually start to change things and then maybe slowly the super slow governmental cogs will start turning and things will start to happen but everyone needs to help in some way if you can but yeah so it's not just about showing up but that that's also great is that a good answer
0: yeah it's great and here's our chance here it's happening right. right in our backyards
2: yeah. Yeah, I actually feel, like, so pri- privileged to be able to have this experience, like, um...
0: Yeah, did you say you're still in school?
2: Yeah, I'm actually a high school student. It's my spring break. <gasps> yeah.
0: Are you doing remote learning?
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually... Fun, funny thing, I, um... Thursday was supposed to be my first day in person, and it was also the day, so I had to choose. Either have my first awesome... Or not, maybe wasn't awesome. It was only, like, gonna be an hour and a half orientation thing, but but I chose this, but um, thankfully it was optional. But just thought that was kind of funny that I chose tree sitting over um, going back to school. But um, I think I'm gonna start going in person after spring break, just one day. Maybe
0: your class can come out here.
2: Yeah, yeah, or I can, I think Zoom has like a call-in function, but anyway.
0: That would be taking things to a whole new level. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> The beauty of of it, what I've realized so far is, like, it's such a simple thing, and it's also such a complicated and nuanced thing that, like, there's so much to it. There's so much gear and things to think about and, like, ways to do it and things to remember and, like, but then also you're just sitting in a tree, like, you know, and I just want to stress, like, it's, it's very simple. Like, anyone could really understand, and I think that's why it was cool, especially for, like, to see all the kids. Like, kids can like everyone it's kind of a universal thing like it's just you're trying to save a tree you know
0: (laughs) this is alicia bales and you're listening to a special program about the tree sits in casper on the jackson demonstration state forest That was Greasy Pete, who's sitting in a huge second-growth redwood named Mama Tree, which is slated for cut by Cal Fire. The second tree-sitter I talked to calls herself Bugs, and she's living in the tree right next to Mama Tree. When I talked with her yesterday, Bugs hadn't been down from her platform in four days. She stayed attached by her harness to the climbing rope about 12 feet up from where I balanced on a ledge at the base of the tree with my recorder. Unlike Pete, Bugs is not a local, but she still feels inspired by the Redwoods. Would you just
3: tell me your name and and sort of where you're from? Yeah, sure. My name is Bugs. I'm originally from San Diego. Um, I'm 25 years old, and I've been coming up here for a little over a decade. I have good friends, family friends up here. Um, so this feels like a home away from home for me. Are
0: you from San Diego?
3: Yes, I am. I am moving to Seattle. This was a stop along the way.
0: How did you hear about this and what what sort of inspired you to climb up a tree?
3: Um, my girlfriend was involved in um, protesting for this and uh, I was here stopping on my way up to Seattle to visit. And um, she She's the one who kind of got me involved and let me know what she was doing and what was going on. And um, I, she invited me to come with and I just felt immediately um, inspired to, to do what I could and to help out. Um, I have not done any tree climbing um, specifically. I have done like protesting and things like that before, but not specifically in this little like niche. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. What, what
0: other protesting experience have you had?
3: Um, The most recent thing I did was for uh, BLM down in San Diego. I did a lot of marching um, downtown and also in North County, and that was probably the most recent, the recent thing I've been involved in.
0: Do you see any connection between that activism, those protests, and what you're doing now?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that there are um, a lot of, of differences between the types of people who get involved, but really the the people at the core are all, you know, practicing nonviolence and, um, the, the feel is very the same. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So when you, thank you for coming down here to talk to me. Um, when you get back up there, can you describe your tree home? What's it like up there?
3: Yeah. Um, it's awesome. I, I love it up there. I actually, um, I was a little nervous going up but um i find myself to be probably more comfortable than i should be um the height doesn't scare me but my my tree home is great i have a blanket laid out that i can hang on to like during the day and just um you know have my buckets for food and my utility buckets and the few amount of clothes put a bucket for clothes and um, I have a lot of books and a journal to write in um, doing some drawing just you know some some basic things to keep me busy but I've actually found that um, everything kind of takes a certain amount of effort and so I thought I was going to have all this free time but I find myself being very busy which I, I love but I'm very comfortable up there and um, the view is beautiful
0: what can you see
3: yeah um i can see all of not all of but a lot of the trails out down and um some of the shorter trees i can see the tops of them i can't see the tops of my own or mama um but yeah it's just it's gorgeous and it's fresh air and it's it's wonderful does your tree have a name yeah we've been um going a lot of the people have been calling him papa nova i kind of have been just referring to the tree as my friend when I'm up there when it's getting really windy I'm like oh are you good my friend like checking in but yeah Papa Nova seems to be the seems to be the name it's inherited by the people. Okay so we got
0: Mama Tree and Papa Nova. Yeah. Um, okay so what's your day like and then what's your night like up there?
3: Ooh, um. my day <laughs> I wake up I usually make some hot water for some tea pretty much right away. Um, kind of stretch a little bit, um, stretch my back out, my limbs, um, your legs get kind of, um, sore just sitting a lot. And then uh, I usually prepare breakfast and then cleaning up, doing dishes. It takes like three times as long to do anything, so it takes up quite some time. Uh, then I... Have, I've only been up there for four days, so the better part of a week. Um, in any free time, I'm usually reading or writing. Um, yesterday, I drew a poster of, a, of the Lorax. It's down there. I don't know if you saw it. Um, but just uh, keeping myself updated as much as I can. Um, I do have limited service, so when I can, I make some calls or try to see what's going on um, in like Instagram or Facebook relating to everything that's going on and then making lunch and cleaning up from lunch and then it starts to get dark. Me and uh, Greasy P, he likes to, he has a workout routine that he does. Um, I don't quite work out up there, but I, I'll do some yoga and just stretch out and listen to music and make dinner. And nighttime, I just got a tarp up there yesterday which was amazing. Um, keeps out a lot of the wind, keeps me really warm. And kind of makes me feel like i'm traditional camping uh in a tent (laughs) and um yeah at night i just make some tea and relax and do some journaling about my experience and what happened throughout the day and things that i've noticed and then i'm just sitting with my thoughts and going to bed Mm -hmm.
0: you go to bed earlier because it gets dark
3: no i actually have terrible insomnia so i am always up super late i would say an average bedtime for me is usually about three or four here it's a little earlier but still around like Mm 1am yeah
0: okay so i'm sure that this is an absolutely unusual and new experience to be in a tree late at night Yeah. what have you observed
3: um a lot of sounds so many birds and i actually don't know the difference between all of them but greasy pete does and he'll update me and he'll be like that was this kind of bird or that was this kind of bird or yesterday there was a raven making a specific sound and he was like they don't usually do that but it's rare and sometimes and so just noticing all the animals around me um moths are really attracted to the to the lights to the (laughs) headlamps. Um, being really aware of that. And um, it's good. It gets windy. There's kind of like a motion similar to being like on a boat sometimes, which I actually find quite relaxing, but um, I know it can make some people nervous at times. Um, But yeah, just noticing, just noticing the noise because it's so, so still and, and dark. And actually at night, I don't even realize that I'm, you know, 80 feet in the air. I'm just I I feel like I'm almost just on the ground because you can't even see out. You can't see anything. So it's actually, it's very peaceful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about um, the place and the threat to the place and what you're, how you're trying to, what you're trying to accomplish.
3: Yeah. um, I think all of us just, you know, want to, you know, in basic form, just stop the logging and also just bringing awareness to what's going on here in this forest and in other forests and how it um, has a bigger impact than just, you know, the trees, but also climate change and, um, you know, bringing awareness to this community and trying to spread awareness to other communities as well. And, um, you know, kind of just starting the dialogue and get people talking about it and get people interested and informed. And, you um, I was talking to Barnacle, one of my other fellow tree people, and he was saying, you know something that was really important is that even though there's all these amazing great people out here doing this that it's it's not enough you know and we, we want to, to keep the dialogue going and we want to make any effective real change, we have to get a lot more people involved. And I think that that's the most important part is just um, trying to, expand the knowledge and, and and share it and you know stop the logging of course but um, continuing that kind of momentum mm-hmm.
0: when um, when people hear about your story how can they get involved what are some things that that you hope that people will do
3: yeah I think there's you know a, a lot to be done I you know, Gracie Pete, and I kind of get almost the easy part of it. We're just up there in the tree and we're the, the solo people up there and um, we can't do much other than, you know, su- support the trees. But um, everything that goes on on the ground is is like what's really important and um, people spreading the word um, obviously by word of mouth but also through social media and people writing articles and people like you doing reports and um, radio podcasts and just spreading the news as much as possible. Also being here physically on the ground and just, you know, coming to show your support and um, kind of the community showing a sense of like unity that we're all on the same page on this and um, showing, you know, Cal Fire and, you know, other logging companies that like we're, we're here and, um, you know, we're, we're not going to let you cut down our trees Um, people have been super supportive bringing food, maybe even too much food, but it's been, it's been great. But there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of things that, that need to be done. And a lot of, um, it's been very fluid in its organizational process, but, you know, doing things like we had a blockade, a roadblock, um, a few days ago and doing things like that. Yeah. And getting involved in just, um, gathering as much people as possible showing that it's you know strength there's strength in numbers Mm -hmm. yeah cool all right well wonderful
0: anything else that uh you want to was talking with greasy pete about his his um platform not just the tree platform but the sort of the platform to put out a message up there is there anything else that you want to use that platform for while while you've got it
3: yeah i just think you know the main things that i think like basic information that's important for everyone to know is just you know with you know cal fire um trying to do like forest management that you know these these great old big trees um are actually uh like more fire resistant than the trees around them and it's important for them to be here and also that they soak up so much carbon and it's so and it's so good and we and we need that and we need that to kind of avert climate change and I think that those are like two of the really main points that um, that people need to be aware of that it's um, that it's important and it's not just the trees standing there here but the impact that they have on our planet you know saving the trees is also saving our planet and um, those two correlate and and go together and I think it's important for people to know that um and um as far as you know what i'm doing here personally and you know why i got up in the tree um i'd say that i'm you know here to stand up for the trees as they stand up strong for themselves so you know they're not the only ones doing it yeah
0: (laughs) you're in your 20s right you are going to be experiencing the consequences mm-hmm. of
3: the crazy climate
0: policies, the, f- yes. the failure to protect the climate, you're going to experience it that longer than anybody. I
3: think all generations, you know, um, should be involved. But yeah, it's it's really inspiring to see the younger generation be so so involved and so um, aware. Like there was a, a girl, a young girl here the other day that was nine and she was like speaking out about climate change and, you know, all these things and it was it was so rad to like to see her and just be really passionate and be really in it and i was like wow you know like i wish i was that cool when i was when i was that age or that i was just that like um informed and knowledgeable and um it's great to see young people taking a stand and i think it's because the young generation realizes that they're the ones who are going to be affected the most and um yeah that's like a really beautiful thing to see and see them be educated on and them trying to educate you know um other generations and it's hard because maybe an older generation feels like oh well I'm not going to be around here for it so you know why should I care what do I care but at least in this community I feel like that's not the case which is really wonderful you have people like Daphne um who I heard say we could use her name. <laughs> yes. That um, you know have have been involved for thirty plus years and are still, you know, are still trying to fight the good fight, mm-hmm. and um, that's inspiring as well. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. That
0: <laughs> is. How do you think about your future in terms of knowing that climate is like this impending
3: catastrophe? I mean, do you think about it that way? Um. It's hard because, you know, I want to be an optimist. Um, I've I've always been that way, just um, super hopeful. But, um, yeah, I mean, as much as I want to be an optimist, you also have to be a realist, and you can't ignore, you know, the science. And, um, you know, there is sometimes this sense of, like, impending doom, which seems kind of scary, you know, but I think to, to just it's really easy for a lot of people to just ignore it and just to live their everyday and get kind of consumed with their, their own, their own lives and their own things and everybody has stuff going on and it's easy just to kind of like, you know, and not in a negative way, but just be kind of like focused on yourself and to be self um, self self-centered a little bit and to, you know, ignore what's going on in the outside world. But I think that even the generation younger than me, I'm in my mid twenties, but like, um, the the kids who are still teenagers and stuff have been doing a really good job of of keeping it at the forefront of their mind and trying to um, and trying to be really mindful and and self aware and um, I think it's something that you people should think about more because it's happening, and the longer we wait the the harder it's gonna be to um, to make positive change. and we've kind of hit a point where you know like, not a point of no return but just that the long the longer time goes on the harder it's going to be to fix these issues Mm -hmm. and so the sooner that we can act on it you know the better and I know that um, Governor Newsom there um, was saying that by you know he had certain goals by 2030 you know and if we want to reach those goals you know stuff like this you know logging these trees that are just like soaking up all the carbon like that's not we're not we're not going to get to those goals and like these trees can can do that faster than any other trees in the world and they can do it for thousands of years Um, long after you know I'm I'm here hopefully we want the world to to still be standing they were they were here first and hopefully they'll be here last This is
0: Alicia Bales, and that was the voice of Bugs, one of the two young tree-sitters who've taken up residence at the tops of Redwood Trees in Jackson Demonstration State Forest in Casper. This week, CAL FIRE announced the closure of the areas to begin logging operations there. The tree-sitters believe the only thing that has kept the bulldozers out of the area so far has been their presence. Early Monday morning this week, when the logging operation was expected to begin, about 40 local supporters gathered on the access road to prepare to block the trucks. Ground support crews have been busy 24-7 keeping the tree sitters supplied and safe and coordinating visits from media like me and other interested people. I talked with Alder, who's part of the ground support crew at the base of the threatened trees, about how people can help out and get involved. Can you tell me your name and what your role is here?
1: Sure, I am Alder and I help out with ground support.
0: What does that mean?
1: Uh, That means I do a lot of shopping. (laughs) Uh, I do a little bit of hiking, but luckily we're pretty close to the road. Um, It's it's really just carrying buckets full of food from uh, one place to the next. So they chose the tree because, to the best of our knowledge, it's the largest tree in the timber harvest plan that is marked to cut. So there are larger trees on this ground, but they're not marked to cut.
0: But there's like a number of plans.
1: There are. um, I believe there are three timber harvest plans that were approved and so this is just one of them Mm
0: -hmm. and are you expecting them to come here first is that why you set the tree set up here
1: yes we were told that they were going to start cutting potentially monday obviously they weren't going to start cutting trees down then but they would be opening up the skid trails and old logging roads Um, and so that's why we rushed out to this one since then they've kind of backpedaled from my understanding and they, we, we do think that they will probably try to go work on another timber harvest plan and, in the hopes that we will get tired and move away from this tree.
0: Oh, okay, so there maybe you maybe slowed them down from get, coming into this place just right off the bat?
1: We absolutely know that we slowed them down because they seemed very adamant on coming to this timber harvest plan and beginning operations and... Monday morning at the road blockade, they did not show up.
0: You've spent a lot of time here now. If you wanted to describe it to people or have, help people know this place who haven't been here, maybe, how, what would you say to them?
1: It is absolutely gorgeous. It's a very dense forest. Um, although it, it looks a lot different than what it is supposed to look like, there, there shouldn't really be quite so much brush Uh, there should be a lot more large trees and not nearly as many small trees so it's even in the state that it is right now with all the large trees it's really gorgeous but it's really kind of sad to imagine what it's supposed to look like and what it could look like if it wasn't constantly and constantly cut down and forced to restart.
0: Right there's a lot of stumps around here.
1: There really are. Some of them are massive. Some of the stumps are, you know, 15 feet high. And gosh, the size of the trees that must have been on them, it's, it's insane to think about.
0: But even so, the trees that have grown back are pretty substantial. They're big trees. I was, I'm surprised. I didn't realize that there was forest out here that looked like this. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the mama tree is 78 inches DBH. Uh, and there are actually larger trees on this ground, like the one that we saw when we walked in, that are just absolutely massive trees. And thankfully, that one's not marked to cut. But yeah, the size of the trees that are marked to cut are quite a bit over the 48 inch uh, max that they had set for themselves. Uh-huh
0: they what's the 48-inch max that they set for themselves? What's that all about?
1: So from my understanding is they're not supposed to cut anything over a 48-inch DBH uh, unless it's necessary. And that the reason they've got so many trees marked that are over that uh, size is because the plan wouldn't be profitable enough without those trees to cut. So I guess to them that is... <laughs> That is a good reason. That, that makes it a necessity to start cutting trees over 48 inches.
0: <laughs> that is a really weird interpretation of the Forest Practices Act.
1: Yes. Yes, it really <laughs> is. Yes, for sure.
0: So the need isn't for the health of the forest. The need is for paying for the logging or making a profit off of the trees.
1: Absolutely. It, it's It's absolutely about money. There's no... There's no safety risk of the mama tree sitting here, and it's certainly not hurting anything. All it's doing is sitting there, creating shade for the ground, retaining moisture, um, and sequestering carbon. It's There's no reason to cut it, except for profit, of course.
0: All right, so what else can you tell me about this action and, and how people can get involved? What do people need? What do you need? What do people need to do to save this forest?
1: So... To save this forest, what we really need, uh, what we're aiming for, is a a one-year moratorium on cutting um, on all of Jackson, Jackson Demonstration State Forest, uh, so that all parties can come to the table, and so that CAL FIRE can finally see hard facts on why the forest here shouldn't be cut. Not that they haven't had the opportunity to see those in the past, but they should really be required to look at the hard facts and make some tough decisions.
0: When they kind of go to the other area of the timber harvest plan, there's a role for people even if they don't come to this place, right?
1: There's a huge role for, role for people, absolutely. Um, there's so many things that we need out here. Um, we, we certainly need people to come out. Uh, some, you know Camping around the tree is, is super helpful uh, there needs to be someone on the ground at all times for safety purposes. And, um, yeah, also just coming in and donating a little food for the, for the sitters or your time or whatever you can do.
0: Great. And how can people reach you if they want to find out more information?
1: So we are on Instagram, <clears throat> mama.tree.mendo. Um, you can send us an email, Mendo at gmail.com. Um, Yeah.
0: Um, I just wonder if you can just tell me, actually, one more question about the trees sitting, the rigging and all of that stuff. Like, you're sort of the climber person. Like You're working with the gear and, and doing safety with these guys. Is that, um, like, as a, as a climber, like, what do you think is interesting about how these things are rigged and um, the safety that mm-hmm. people are using, the safety protocols, and, you know, just using rock climbing gear for this purpose?
1: Yeah, so one thing that i feel like is very different between climbing climbing a tree as a tree sitter and climbing rocks as a recreational rock climber um, is that you're being completely self-sufficient you would never go rock climbing by yourself but these guys once they're in the tree they they're relying on themselves they're relying on the equipment that they have and they're anticipating having hostile people on the ground so they're they're completely prepared to, um, to take care of themselves and not let their gear get destroyed. We, we don't leave any gear laying around on the ground. Uh, they, they pull up any gear that they have so that nothing can be reached from the ground. Um,
0: Is there any equipment that you need?
1: Uh, yes, we, we need lots and lots of equipment. Uh, climbing ropes and harnesses, uh, locking carabiners. Um, gosh, we need we need tube strapping, um, truck rope by CWC. That's the brand, CWC truck rope, five-eighths inch. All of that stuff is invaluable to us, and it's it's it can be pretty pricey for us to to buy all of it at once. Um, keeping in mind that when you know things like locking carabiners and stuff, all of that we can't just go to the to the hardware store to buy that it has to be climb rated mm-hmm. it, it has to be specifically for putting your life on the line
0: mm-hmm. why
1: uh, the climb gear and it's usually rock climbing gear it has very specific how much working load it has and even how much kilonewtons of uh, uh, shock load it can take
0: okay so no don't send keychains
1: <laughs> no no keychains <laughs> Although we, we can use some of the really cheap ones, but we only hang really lightweight things like our water bottle will hang off of it. Um, but yeah, no no keychains for us. I think that with as much drought as we've had lately, um, and with all the issues that we have with global warming and carbon in the air, it, it just seems, it just seems absolutely silly to be cutting down these forests so that we can make siding and fencing and redwood decks. I mean, it's it's beautiful wood, don't get me wrong, but it's much more valuable standing and sequestering carbon and shading the ground and retaining water in the forest. And uh, yeah, I would say don't cut it down. And another thing, um, from my understanding, um, CAL FIRE gets about a little over a hundred million dollars a year um, from logging on Jackson Demonstration State Forest and the local economy here gets over 400 I think over 450 million dollars a year off of tourism a lot of that tourism is coming from the fact that we have big old trees and these beautiful forests so it just seems silly to me even from an economical standpoint to to cut down something that is bringing so much money here just so that a little bit of money can go out.
0: Well, the other thing is it's just gorgeous here. Yeah. It's so beautiful. There's no mystery about why people come here yeah. because it's just rejuvenating and it moves your heart and mm-hmm. it nurtures your soul. And I've been in clear cuts. I've been in lo- even light logging mm-hmm. areas, and it does the opposite. It's devastating. Mm-hmm. And even just getting here and realizing that this was the timber harvest plan area was extremely upsetting to me because I know what that is, what, they, mm-hmm. what they're going to do to it, even if it's a light touch. And nobody's going to come pay money in Mendocino County to come see a, a cut like a skid road and all of the dust and the brush and the slash and all of that, and the stumps.
1: Yeah, absolutely not. And I'm sure you've already seen it, but if you take this trail right here and you follow it down for probably a little less than an hour's walk, you'll see another timber harvest plan that was cut in 2018. And the slash piles, it's just there's very few trees left, and the slash piles are larger than a house. And... I mean, I can't even imagine sticking that on a billboard and saying, "Hey, come check out our forest," or or trying to, you know, make any sort of campground around there. There's there's no way anybody wants to see that. And and then furthermore, I mean, it, it, you know, they're supposed to be doing this for fire safety, but this how can you call a giant slash pile safe? Oh, and that that plan down there too is is less than a mile, I think even less than half a mile away from houses. So, I mean, yeah. So much fire risk, losing carbon sequestration, losing money coming in from tourism, uh, losing water retention, There's, there's no wind.
0: This has been a special program on the tree sits in Jackson Demonstration State Forest outside of Casper and the efforts to stop Cal Fire from logging some of the largest redwood trees owned by the public that we have on the Mendocino Coast. I'm Alicia Bales. To find out more about the efforts to protect the redwoods in Jackson State, visit the treesitters on Instagram at mama.tree.mendo or email them at mama.tree.mendo at gmail.com. Or you can go visit them out Casper Orchard Road and see for yourself the forest they're trying to save. Thanks for listening. gay, see how she spins, see how her fingers
3: play,